uh, another episode of From Red to Black, A Homicide Life on the Street podcast. This is Joe. <clears throat> this is uh, Daniel. This is uh, episode it's called Night of the Dead Living. It originally aired on March 31st, 1993. What's interesting about the episode, of course, is that it aired out of order. And that's the way we are reviewing them on the air date, not the actual shoot date or anything like that. But as we go through it, you're going to see there's stories that have been closed that are reopened because, again, it was shot out of order. It was directed by Michael Lehman. The story was by Frank Pugliese and Tom Fontana. This episode did win the Writers Guild Award in 1993 for Best in TV Writing. Wow. Right, I Which can, is interesting. Yeah, I can appreciate that. I think that makes sense. Um, it is a fun episode, but I, I think for the purposes of, especially if you're going to talk about it on a podcast, this was a tough one to kind of for us to, to grapple with while we were watching it. Joe, the, to me, this is going to be the hardest episode because as we're going to see, one murder is committed. It's a bottle episode, meaning they don't leave the squad room. And honestly, nothing big happens. I mean, some things happen, but it's really a show to me. There is a theme, which we'll get into, I think. But it you, you wonder, again, why, as the third episode, they did this episode. They couldn't have been behind budget yet. And you just wonder, like, what were they thinking? Yeah, I'd love someone to tell me why they did this type of episode as the third episode. Well, there's there are some things that they're doing here that I think make make total sense to do early on. Like the big thing, and I, f- I almost feel like it's to a detriment in the episode, they're very heavy-handed with setting up the characters. So it's almost like, you know, um, uh, like... Uh, <laughs> Like, Munch is a, a weirdo with strange relationship stuff, and uh, uh, Bayless is the new guy. Bayless is the new guy. Bayless is the new guy. Munch is weird, and Bayless is the new guy. Like they Frank is difficult. Yeah. Like, they're really, like, playing almost like stereotypes of the characters that we've gotten to know in it, the last eight episodes. It's a good point. And by the way, for a quick synopsis of the episode, which I should have done, basically, they're on the night shift, and it's cool, by the way, how they flip the board, which we all never knew, to go from one shift to Giardello's shift. And they work the midnight shift every X amount of time. So they do change shifts. So uh, basically, they're working the night shift. Um, It's very hot. AC's broken. Uh, Again, not much happens other than G finds a baby in the basement. (laughs) And various other characters just complain about talk about people in their lives. Yeah, That's it, kind of the synopsis. It, again, when, when I watched this and wasn't concerned about having to talk about it afterwards, like I don't think that stuck as bizarre to me as it did. But in this episode, when he pulled up the baby, I like lost it. I was like, what else could... Uh, like, uh, a typical thing could could happen in this episode. It was. It's a very... Even by homicide standards, it's a weird episode. Yeah. So I think those are like let's let's talk about at least like the things because rather than following the storylines, which we can do a little bit of that, but I guess what things why would they have done this? 
Like, why do we think they would have done this? And then maybe someday down the road we'll get someone on the podcast who can actually tell us, like... Your your theory that you mentioned before, that they're trying to establish the characters in our minds, I buy that a little bit. Right. But it, to me, it's the kind of show that never cared about that. It's like The Wire. You're just thrown in. You will learn what they're like, but they're not going to help you because it's not that baby kind of a show. You yeah. can't read while you're watching the show and go to the bathroom and talk. You have to pay attention. So why are they now force-feeding us Yeah, right. and saying, you know, this guy's this way and Bo could be... It's like, why are you doing this to me? Yeah, yeah. It is a... It is weird. I mean, I, I guess, like, it almost feels like a pilot would be written, where it's like you're really just introducing these characters. There is something that is quirky and weird about the, like, never uh, getting a phone call for an actual murder for the homicide department. And as they say, X amount, 40 or 50 percent of homicides, well, by the way, if it was 50, that means half of them happened during the day. Yeah, right. So it means nothing. Right. But anyway... The fact that there's not one murder in, on a really hot night, I buy into that a little because it is true. In really hot weather, crime goes down. People are so hot, they don't even want to go kill somebody or rob a store. So I kind of buy that nothing happens. Yeah. But, but yeah, so the more I think about that statistic, it's stupid. Yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah. He, he even says, like, the way that he words it is so weird. He's 40% of homicides happen at night. But with the way that the weather is tonight, I bet it's 50%. Like, that does not make any, right. se any right. sense. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, and then like there's a, a whole lot of weirdness in this. Um, this the Santa storyline that kind of follows throughout where Kay gets the phone and acts totally unlike Kay. is just like, well, it's not a homicide yet. Call me when he kills someone or whatever. Um, and then we actually see Santa... And then Santa escapes, and then he crashes through the ceiling. And by the way, it's September. <laughs> so why the guy is dressed up as Santa yeah. in September yeah. makes... The, well, the whole thing makes no sense. Yeah, and that, like you pointed out before the episode even started, how like what a shock it is to see Chris... Uh, Tallman, Thorman, I guess. Thorman. Uh, to see him show up in the episode... With perfect vision, unshot. Right, Harry. We know we know that he's blind. He can't walk, uh, and he just shows up in the episode. By the way, it was weird that they did a good follow-up. He mentions that his wife and he are trying to have a baby. I thought that was good attention to detail because it was a throwaway line. Yeah, and we know she's pregnant. But did they shoot it? In order, though, like, did they know when they filmed it that was going to be the ninth episode? D don't know, because like that might no. Not even I, I I would say they thought it was going to be the third episode because it all made sense to be the third episode. Yeah, so that I think is just accidental that it lines up as like a nice callback to the storyline that we kind yep. of know. Yeah. But yeah, so I, and I think too that I could understand where, from the network standpoint, like this is not a show about a homicide. It's not about homicide at all. It's about these detectives. And that's the stuff that I love that the show does. Is I love the characters. I love the world building. Um, and I love the uh, the flair that they show. Like, we were talking about that scene 
in um, it was either episode of the episode before, but with Bolander just sitting at the bar singing Elvis. That that was last episode, right, I think. Right, just this like little slice of life thing that is like so profound in the through the lens of the show and the way they do it feels so natural, almost like all that. Right. Where it was like without the without the background, it's like uh, you get all the potatoes and no steak or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But um, you know, to its credit. It's a show that's not afraid to do that, whereas other shows would never have an episode like this. They would be afraid right. to have an episode that's called Homicide without anything remotely resembling a homicide. And they should talk about Edison, who was killed weeks before. I give the show credit that it's willing to just to look at all the different characters and what they're like and what's on their mind, what's going on in their personal lives. Yeah. That's why, like, I'm I'm a little surprised that this episode won an award. Only I think this show as a as an entire work is so incredible. And this one kind of feels a little off uh, when you can factor in the rest of the episodes. But if anyone was to give an award for this, writers giving the award makes total sense to me. Because... Uh, I would imagine when you're faced with the challenge of where you're going to put and how you're going to pull off these stories. I mean, they shot this all in one location. They managed to uh, use every character that they have. Everyone had a moment to shine in this episode. That's right. So they get a lot done without really putting too much, uh, you know, like they don't have to go to different locations or whatever. And, uh, you know, you get everybody together and kind of let everyone flex those, you know, those character muscles. So I can see where it's written episode. I don't think viewers would necessarily give this an award. But. Uh, agree. You know, let, let's just briefly talk about the Adina Watson case, right. even though um, it, it's over in the sense that they've moved on. But it was interesting that Bayless thinks he's got the killer because he's got the fingerprints on the book. And of course, it turns out to be a kid, a young school kid who borrowed the book two years before Adina so a lot of laughs at his expense are made yeah and uh, Tim is made to feel stupid I guess over the whole thing yeah which to me it, like that felt a little awkward to like set set anything related to the Adina one case almost up as like a punchline feels like I don't know cruel or something or like I, I don't I, I don't see the whimsical end of that story in the way that they were kind of addressing it uh, in this episode. Um, so at the end, it's keeping with the Adina Watson case, they do come up with another theory. And I, what I liked was that how they all jumped on it. You know, Drake and, and uh, you know, Frank, Tim, they kind of all came together and were like, hey, this could be something. And by the way, that was just after... G had given Tim a kind of shot of confidence. Like, right. you are doing a good job. Because you can t- after the kid, Tim's confidence is shaken yeah. again. Right. And and even uh, Frank is, like, cruel to Tim in saying, like, what, you know, Tim says, like, what are you thinking? And Frank says, Adina Watson. Like, that's, you know, and how you're doing this all wrong and you're asking the wrong questions and you can't think like a killer, which is a conversation he has... L- it would have been later in the show. Yes. Like four or five yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and then uh, there's, yeah, that scene where, where you're right, G does like kind of build him back up, 
but not before completely tearing them down and being like, you need to earn the respect of the people around you. You know, and then You're just, right. He kind of gives them the 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 uh, you know the butter and the vinegar approach. Yeah. He kind of slops them down <laughs> and then builds them up at Wh- the end. Which at episode nine of the season uh-huh. doesn't really make sense to do because Tim has already kind of worked through that and earned the respect of his peers. Um, Again, there's many things that don't make sense. Right. There's no way it should have been aired. Now, it's wrong on so many levels. Yeah. Yeah. But Again, and they didn't even bother editing out some of the things they could have edited out, like Chris, you know, they could have got mom. He was central to the story, though. Yeah. But, I mean, imagine if you were watching this for the first time in 1993. You'd be like, yeah, what, like is this? what did he recover? Yeah. And Like, what's going on? Do you know why? So what happened? Yeah. 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 One of the other crazy things about this, and I don't know, um, this might not be the right time to bring this up, but the the music in the episode. Bring it up. That we we talked about a couple times throughout. It's, uh, I believe it's called diegetic sound, is sound (laughs) that is played in the scene that comes from the scene. Okay. So we were talking, beginning early in the episode, Crescetti turns... Uh, a radio on that's right so throughout this whole episode we have this kind of like kind of like schmaltzy like to me it's crappy it's crappy music it doesn't it doesn't score what you're hearing in a good way it doesn't build it up it's like What's that annoying sound in the background? Yeah, it sounds like someone's on hold or something like that. Yeah, it's pretty horrible. uh, But it's it's through everything. And, like, you know, I I don't want to keep repeating myself, but having gone through eight episodes of this show, I don't think I've ever heard music like that. Not to say that it isn't there, but I don't think I've listened or, or ever noticed music that was happening in a scene like I do in this episode. Yeah. Every scene you're like... And I, I would say not not good music, not in a good way you noticed it. Yeah. yeah. It was right. pretty awful. But even even if they were like really rocking tunes, I don't think I would want that either. Like it's just so distracting and, and kind now, of like unnerving too. Now you know David Simon's rule on The Wire um, was that there'd be no music at all that wasn't whatever that word you just used. If it was naturally occurring, it was okay. Except for the the season finale, he allowed music. Other than that, there was never any music in the wire that doesn't come from a natural case. Now that's not true with homicide. Yeah. But I think they are judicious in their terms of music. Right. Yeah. They're careful. That's why I said I'm sure. Remember it. It never really bothered me before. Um, I think that's a great rule. I think uh, if you... Yeah, so do I. Like, to not have just music... I mean, unless you're doing, like, you know, an, a buddy cop 80s, you know, movie, then, yeah, you could do the the ripping sax solo, you know, upbeat I, 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 I would submit to you, it, it puts more pressure on the writing and the acting because you have no music to propel your emotions. Like, I should be scared, right. sad, happy... No, there, there's no cue to your say. Up, oh, I hear the heartstrings, or I hear the Jaws music. I'm scared, or it's exciting music. They're chasing. Yeah, you have to provide that. Right. So I, I give shows like The Wire a lot of credit, and Homicide to a certain extent. They use music, but again, judiciously. Right. 
Right. Yeah, this was the worst use of music. It was just so strange and felt so off for the show. Um, I also felt like some of the characters were written in this episode like a little too hot or a little too uh, too um, pointed. Like the Munch storyline. I'm glad you're bringing up Munch. Yeah, where he's like screaming about his his girlfriend. Felicia. Now, yeah, we always get like he doesn't have a smooth love life or a typical love life, but. Um, this didn't seem like Munch at all to me. Um, even, the, like, does he normally wear uh, uh, sleeves? To me, he didn't look like Munch. He didn't act like Munch. He wasn't as detached and cool as Munch. Right. And there were certain Munchisms that came out. But, like, at the end, when he's yelling at her, it just didn't ring true to me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they were f- almost forcing that storyline to me. Yeah, I-, I didn't buy that. Yeah, like they like almost like they wrote it and they were done. They were like, oh, we forgot to write something for Munch. All right, well, quick, just uh, all right. He's mad at uh, his, girl- his girlfriend broke yep. up with him. Or right. Whatever. Um, How about well, you know, talk about the Bolander art. So this is it's really set up to him asking out Bl- uh, Doctor Blythe. Right. And he's kind of playing off Munch, too. He's allowing Munch to... Uh, he tells him up front in the episode that he doesn't consider Munch his partner. He's just a guy who he rides Mitch, with. Mitch is his partner. Right. And so, uh, I mean, we're kind of just seeing things that we've already seen from Boland or kind of cycle, you know, recycled in the episode. Yeah. Again, I would say nothing new. We know he's shy. We know he lacks confidence. We know he's upset about his previous marriage. You're right. Nothing, nothing new. It was cute when he made the call at the end, and right. Well, Kay was, is so happy that he does a D job. But it was like we've been there, done that. Yeah. When he like burps the kid or whatever, and she's like, "Oh, it's cute that you're being a dad." And we talked about that with the other kid that came in, Doctor By. Oh no, no, I know who you mean. The, the young kid, gal, the, the witness to the murder. Yes. From the yep. gang. Yeah, yeah. We They kind of like hit those notes where it was like, okay, like, you know, we get it. Like, he does have these fatherly instincts or right. whatever and is good with kids. So to see that kind of again so soon is was a little like forced. Yeah. Maybe. Again, yeah. no, no, no breaking ground. No, yeah. just like, okay. You know, everything in this episode, and it, I, I like it. I like this episode. I think it's fun. I think it has its place. But everything in this episode is almost like the things that they don't show in other episodes. You know, like they only show you the storylines that matter, and this is like the everything right. else. All in one episode. Yeah. All the things that don't matter in one episode. Yeah. How about um, Kay and Bo, or just Kay and just Bo? You can you can do it any way you want. Why don't you talk about Kay? Yeah, so Kay... Uh, so she, she gets the suicide phone call from this or that Santa is threatening suicide or he has a gun or whatever. Right. Uh, and so we kind of see her following that storyline in the beginning. In what's kind of a funny joke is she's the only one who will pick up the phone. Right. No one else will pick up the phone when it rings. She goes for it and it's not even a homicide. Um, then she gets a phone call uh, that's some bad news and we can tell by her voice it's she's you know, serious and upset about something, and then later crying in the episode, and she gets caught by this new character who we're introduced to tonight, who's the uh, cleaning lady. The cleaning lady, um, and so we find out that her sister has been diagnosed with, or they've discovered a tumor. 
tumor, tumor in her breast. And that her husband has been having an affair. So he's... And this is all coming to a head at the same time. Which sounds like a great episode for a TV show for that person's show. <laughs> but for Kay, she's just picking up a phone and doesn't... The, and, and the only thing I, I that got me in that in the whole storyline was the fact that there was only one other woman she could talk to. She couldn't talk to the men about how she felt after the cleaning woman who clearly she had no relationship with. Yeah. And the cleaning she said something almost about men and so that was interesting that she couldn't open up to anyone because they're all men. Right. She's the only gal. And Bo even like extends that like the olive branch of friendship to say to tell me this but just know that I'm here for you or whatever and then immediately follows it up with so tell me what's going on you know just like that kind of and he is very sweet and he offers the driver and Kay is touched by it and says you know what you're you're okay and by the way that's about the third or fourth time he said to her you're my partner I love you blah I mean again We've heard this right. whole dance, just like if you want to talk about Bo, just like Bo with his wife. It's yes. the same right. shtick that we've already seen. <laughs> yeah. Nothing new. Yeah, well, but then also, if you were like the schlubbiest detective in that room and your partner is the one with all black under their name, maybe it's nice to bring up every now and then you're my partner. You're my partner. Good you're point. The best. Good point. Um, but yeah, the yeah the uh, the bow stuff, um, that scene where he's trying to open up the window or he's opening up the door and he's complaining about his relationship to Tim, is like so like oh, like too on the nose and too much of what we've already seen from him for sure. Um, you know, if you had never seen an episode of this show before, it's probably entertaining to watch. You know what I mean? Again, it's I think a lot of the the criticisms that I have for this, uh, I want to qualify by saying that it really has to do with this episode coming at this point in the series. Uh, yes. Where everything, you know, up to this point has felt really potent and on point. This kind of feels like a retread or, you know, filler, um, which, it, you know, bottles, bottle episodes are, but like egregiously so. And, and you know what? For a bottle episode where there's a lot of dialogue, it wasn't particularly funny. Yeah. There weren't, a, a, a number of really I mean there was one thing I think um, someone says you know your 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 head is in your Uranus I think that's Munch's line yeah. but for a show where they had a lot of time to throw in comedy it wasn't a particularly funny episode yeah. either yeah yeah that's a could really have been right they had time I guess it's more like like dramatic or melodrama and kind of building up for these like oh they're gonna put milk in the glove to the baby oh isn't that like isn't that cute like, yeah right like we're gonna sweet. take out the file cabinet put a sweater in there and that will <laughs> be the baby's bassinet yeah right yeah that's instead of jokes they did that stuff which... right instead of air conditioning we'll get a fan and some ice or something yeah. whatever all right so let's so it's like we're we're gonna have uh we're gonna do a tv show it's about these homicide detectives that go and find killers and people who are killed. But it's going to be funny. It'll have really funny jokes in it, too. And let's do an episode where we get rid of the homicide and get rid of the jokes. And what are we left with? Yeah, just kind of these 
you know, weird characters floating out there. Like the Crosetti stuff, too. You know, uh, like maybe this is something that... Because later in the in the run of the show, the actors get a little bit more demanding with this thing and giving them more dramatic affectations. We know the way that the show kind of grows, and we'll get to that in time, but uh, that feels like he was like he's shooting for an Emmy or something. You know, like he really wants to be this emotional character in this episode, um, talking about his daughter and... Uh, it just, it's, yeah, it doesn't feel very funny or interesting. I guess it's, he's acting great in it, but... Honestly, the more I think, it wasn't a very compelling storyline. I mean, his daughter's boyfriend wants to stay over. I, I, I don't know, I just didn't... Yeah. It, it didn't catch me as, like, being incredibly interesting or important. Yeah, you and you can only play that story of um like bitter police officer who's paying for a house they don't live in. Like we get so much of that from Bolander. And I think in a, it to the most part it's well placed, but I feel like it starts to lose some of its effect the more that we hear that and we're hearing it almost exclusively from Crosetti this episode. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I, I didn't, again, I didn't find that as compelling. Soon as, like, I think his first line of dialogue in this episode is, I want to stop talking about the Lincoln assassination, <laughs> which is like, no, no, man. Keep you, doing that. Yeah, keep doing that. I don't know if you noticed this, too, to get off Crisetti for a second. When the young guy who they bring in as the murderer of Adina Watson, he talks to Frank, and they have an interesting conversation, but he says to Frank, are you married? And Frank says, no. no. Now, either Frank obviously is lying, but then you have to, well, we know he's lying, but why is he lying to the kid? We know he's married. We just saw his wife two episodes ago, yeah. Mary. I, again, was that, because it was the third episode, did they not was know he, he was married you know, Was yet? he supposed to be married right. or not? Right. I don't know. I just figured that if you're a cop, you want to lie about your family to distance Probably. personal life. But I mean, to a, to a kid, you know, who's there because of a screw-up by Tim Bayless? I thought what was it was the kid, was they were talking about race. Have you been arrested? And I just said, wow, show is old, but very... Um, uh, you know, uh, germane to what's happening today. And even though Frank didn't kind of want to go there, it was a kid that's perceptive. What's he, 12 years old? Black people. Yeah. And how they get arrested. And most of them get arrested. The whole thing with his parents. Yeah. Didn't even, like, know where they were. And yeah. it was just... That part rang true to me. Yeah. I like that part. And I think they do that also with the storyline of the baby and the cleaning lady, where they bring up some points that are kind of sobering points. In an, an episode that is already maybe a little too sober, uh, they bring up these things that, are again, still are true 20-something, 20 25, 26 years later. Um, yeah, which... How she, she can't afford a babysitter. She doesn't want to go on welfare. She obviously loves this child. Um, yeah, that was kind of... That was kind of sad and... and uh, and poignant. Yeah. By the way, this was weird to me. 
was that did that gal the cleaning woman think that yeah, her? and right. was he what yeah. do you think I don't know I don't know I mean like one thing strap on her shirt kept falling off the yes. entire episode yes which to me I'm like well they're obviously playing up her sensuality or whatever but then if you realize well she's probably breastfeeding maybe that's why she's wearing a shirt that keeps kind of you know yeah. slinking off yeah in that scene it, it looks like they they probably could have written five pages on that scene and ended up only showing, you know, finger the coffee and then he drops it and spills it. Because he says to her, you're you're beautiful. Yeah. And she says, stop looking at me. So to me, there was definitely some undergoing sexual yeah. tension there. But it was weird. Yeah, it almost seemed weird. wrong. Yes. It, it, it wasn't in a good way. It was like, this is weird. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I, again, that was something. If they had fleshed that out, maybe a little bit more, it'd be interesting to see where that, where that was going, or what that was trying to do. But yeah, I was, I was also, I had asked you halfway through to guess who was lighting the light. That's, did you figure it out or no? You know, I actually did think it was Chris, um, and he did light it once. But like, even that is like such a dramatic. Thing that this show has always done so well is this like uh, be being a dramatic s- story with comedy that's realistic and fun to follow along with, and this one just felt like you know like Homicide after school special or like Homicide if it was written by fans instead. And, of, and he and he says why he's doing it for for all of the dead. Yeah, come come on, <laughs> Munch. He's un. Yeah, Cal- like just callous. callous guy who doesn't care about anything. It just didn't. All of a sudden, he's very sanctimonious. It's for the dead. Yeah, it. it I don't know. It just didn't. There's a, and why are he and Chris friends? You know, Chris lights it. For, like what? Like there's yeah. this this story. The director Sam Raimi, who did uh, Evil Dead movies and Spider Man movies and a bunch of other uh, Wizard of Oz movie remake. Um, so he was working on this film in like the mid nineties and I for, I forget what movie it is. Uh, maybe we'll put it in the show notes or, uh, on Twitter, but he's working with a, an actor and the actors was like, my anything, he's just getting beat up and he's getting tr- stepped on by these other actors. So he had Bruce Campbell come to the set and he was like, look, get dressed up like a cowboy. We're going to do this scene where you go and you get beat up. And it was just this, to get this actor off of his back, he would have him come in and he'd do this really dramatic scene that he'd punch Bruce Campbell and Bruce Campbell would fall out the front door of the bar or whatever. And they did it like three or four times. And Sam Raimi told him, like, that will never be in the movie. It's just to get that actor off my back. <laughs> yeah. Like, let them scratch the itch that they need as an actor to feel like they're doing. And that, like, kind of everything in this episode makes me think that. Like, they all get these, like, super dramatic storylines. Even, the like, the Munch thing with I'm doing it for those who are dead or whatever... It's yeah, it's just so dramatic, right? Like, and, and unbelievable. And again, not true to his character, which is not a, yeah. And it just yeah. As soon as I saw it, I'm just like a candle. Someone's like <laughs> every night of the show. Come on, yeah, yeah. But that feels like maybe if you're an actor, they give that line to you, and you're like, oh, this great is, line. Oh, I'm gonna look so, so great. I'll win the Emmy. Yeah. Because even, like, everything that G does in this episode, too, feels, like, super heightened when he's complaining and calling about the air conditioning conditioning not being on and 
the, the conversation he has with uh, with Tim is like supercharged. Um, yeah, and, and again, he's very nice to Chrisetti. He tells him to go home. I, yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah. The more I think about it, again, I don't get me wrong. I liked this episode right. on some level, right? But it doesn't fit in the series. It doesn't fit where they placed it for sure, but it also just doesn't quite fit in the whole yeah. show. I wonder too if if they didn't maybe lean on this aspect of the show a little bit more, and if the episodes we had seen already weren't so plot heavy and were more character based, if maybe this is how the show could have been, you know, where it was kind of these like quirky, fun stories about. You know what you don't see from them and their lives not inside that room, but um, I, I feel like we've kind of been trained at this point to kind of that their their lives and their personalities, which really is the focus of the show, are tied to what's happening at work. I, 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 I was gonna say the murders act as a vehicle for them to react, so you see what they're like as people. A young girl gets killed, you get to see what kind of person Tim. Bayless's. A cop gets shot, you learn about Cressetti. So you get to see how they view the world and the way things work and their emotions and their relationships through these life, literally life and death stories. So you need that to set it off. It's not going to be set off by a candle or finding a baby or Santa coming through the ceiling. (laughs) I'm sorry, or or the boyfriend wanting to stay over. It doesn't have the same... uh, You can't believe that's going to affect the characters, whereas you can believe it when the other stuff happens, right? Young girl gets killed, puts them... keeps them thinking about crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a very good point, is that... even though that's not what the show's about, but you need that to make it all move. Yeah. I, re- I remember the first season of True Detective, friends of mine were complaining about the points where it does get too boring and where it is just the two characters in the car talking. Uh, and I remember thinking, I could watch that all day. I could just watch those characters just be those characters all day. And this episode makes me reconsider. <laughs> Although I would argue that I don't even think these characters were their characters the way that I understand them to be. Like, Munch wasn't Munch here. Right. Um, and, and as you pointed out, too, how quick the scenes are in other shows and episodes and how many scenes there are because so much happens. Right. And in this show, it was like nothing happened. Yeah. The way that I take notes, I write down each different scene and just kind of like a, you know, a word or, or a little bit about each scene, what happens to it, whose story it is. As soon as this episode got like three minutes in, I was abandoning that method and just wrote down characters and just kind of where they... That, that, um, that, that you know, that's what I did. Yeah, it's the only way to, to cover this one. So, um, I don't know, is there any other, any other n- n- things you have left for this? <laughs> any other things you have left yeah, for this? Yeah, you sound like the episode. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> no, again... I wish I would have learned something new about the characters. I didn't. It reinforced what I already knew. 
it drove the plot a little with Adina Watson, a little, but they really didn't bring up any other cases. So again, you know, I, I would just say it interesting episode. I you know, definitely not one of the best. What it was wait, what about the thing on the roof at the end? Oh, what, what did was, you say what did you say about well, that? Well, first of all, to, obviously <laughs> when he points the hose at Frank yeah. Frank had the in real life the actor Andre Brower had no idea going to happen. Yeah. And and I almost think that they did that cuz they were hot and and the 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 producers of the show let's just film that and go throw up it and in. Fil- yeah. So go up And here's that by the way she's in her underwear uh K yeah. K which is crazy. Start with the men but I'm like I didn't know. she's in her underwear. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. What is like as if this couldn't get any weirder. This episode couldn't be any I'm less glad you like brought that up. an episode of Homicide. That was like the end of The Breakfast Club or something to me, where it was like, hey, and now they're all fun. If you were a taxpayer in Baltimore, and this is, if you could see this knock by these detectives, you right. would think, right. what is my money going to? These right. guys are. And at the a end of the clowns. day, the, their boss sprays them with a hose. Yeah, all on their underwear on the roof. Yeah, that was a very. <laughs> Strange. When was the SB2? Was that last That episode? was the last, so, last episode. So they're totally cool with the fact that they might have... Don't care. ...this terrible disease ravaging their bodies now. Again, the, <laughs> the only reason I like that scene is because Andre Brower cl- clearly doesn't know he's going to get sprayed. Yeah. He was over to the right. The others were right. And G decides, Yafik Koto decides, you know what? I'm going to spray you. Yeah. Which was cute. Yeah, kind of... Uh... Kind of a, a real, yeah, cute moment for a show. But, that... but again, it, it just accentuates <laughs> the whole weirdness of yeah. the whole episode. Just like, what? Like, I don't know. Yeah, this episode is like a fever dream. Um, you, that would be cool if they did it at the at the end where it was like, a, and this was cool. Uh, I just say cool. Let me qualify that. This would be stupid, but cool. If this was all just like Bayless's dream. Dream. This His episode... head's on his desk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He wakes up and they go, Tim, Tim, you've been asleep for 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah you know, Chris was alive. And yeah, we were on we the roof. We found a baby in Santa. Yeah, yeah, yeah right there. <laughs> All right, well. Um, Joe, if people, if people do think they have more to say about this episode oh, than please. we could, what would they do? I would love to hear it. Send us an email from redtoblackpod at gmail.com. And Red to Black Pod on Twitter at Red to Black Pod. And again, please subscribe if you can on iTunes. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Drop us an email, as Joe suggested. We would love to hear your uh, your comments and uh, suggestions, as always. And yeah, and at some point, it would be terrific, I think, to get a writer on here or get someone who was involved with the talk about. Yeah, please you know, contact us. Yeah, what that was like. Um, uh, all right, well then, I guess, I, do you, winners, losers, do you want to even... Losers, I think everyone in the show was uh, <laughs> a, a loser. There was no, to me, no winners yeah. at all. Yeah, nothing, losers, nothing really I, I could pick out everyone in the episode was a loser. Yeah, anyone who didn't, wasn't on the roof to get hosed down, I guess, is a loser. <laughs> um, but all right, well, that puts episode nine, we can say, is... From red to... Thanks so much, have a good one.